2: You're listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mates.
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked on Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked on NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates, from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode of the show, coming to you a little bit late, but it's going to be a good one. Such a good one, because... Thursday night was one of the best nights in recent history to be a Denver Nuggets fan. Just a a huge game with so many just beautiful moments. So many big so many big moments in that game. That was a that was a big boy game. The Nuggets brought their big boy pants, and it was a lot of fun. Oh my goodness, uh, so much to get to here. Honestly, going through my notes and watching the game on on, on second time, it was just like, man, that goes in there. This got to go in there. I got to talk about this. Got to talk about that. There was just lots of lots of lots of good stuff. So I'm excited to get into it. Before we do, I'm because I I had pre-recorded the episode with Matt Moore. Um, I didn't have a chance to give my shout out for the for the lockdown Nuggets fantasy draft on Wednesday, which I always want to do. So a little bit behind on this, but uh, I have to give shout outs because we had ten people, our biggest uh, draft Wednesday draft yet and a wheels 51's team just absolutely dominated that was the night cj mccollum went for 50 he had cj mccollum so he wins he also he actually also had nick batum and miles turner who went off so a wheels 51 congrats on your big win with 10 people the prize pool gets even bigger um second place jacob fancy sauce was carried by terry rozier of all people terry rozier's first start gets a triple double also had lebron always nice when you have lebron james then third place also. Winning in the money, Ben Viserys. So a lot of repeat, uh, repeat guys that I see every week. So it's kind of fun. If you haven't uh, checked it out, download the Draft app. Follow me. Find me. I'm username, L O NUGS, N U G G S. You follow me, and then you'll get an alert on your phone every time I throw down the gauntlet, which will be every Wednesday, and that's always a lot of fun. Also, really quick note. Um, Thanks to everybody who donated to our charity fund. We're we're still going. We're going to be running this all the way until March 1st, um, Raising Money for Hope Kids, a nonprofit organization that works with kid, kids who have been diagnosed with cancer and other life-threatening illnesses. We've created an event that Denver Nuggets have helped us. We've created a Denver Stiffs event whereby you can go and donate a $10 ticket uh, that will go towards a kid or a family member of the kid to attend the Nuggets game on March 11th. And we're trying to fill up that arena because the best part is not just about sending kids who are going through chemotherapy. I mean, we're talking about young kids going through chemotherapy and... And surgeries and all these all these really difficult things. Not only are we're trying to send them to have a good night and watch the nuggets, but they're going to be able to watch the nuggets in the company of other kids going through the same thing. So they'll get to meet new friends, cheer on the nuggets together, and hopefully create some lasting friendships and and be able to encourage each other as as they're going through these rare, um, rare illnesses and, and, and uh, medical issues. So help us out. You can either buy a pair of socks. There's a link on DenverStiffs.com where you can buy these really cool Rainbow Skyline socks and proceeds go to donating a ticket. So every pair of socks you buy sends one, new, one kid to, to the game. And I'm blown away. We set a soft goal. I thought I don't know how many people are going to do this. We sell our T-shirts. You know, we'll get a couple. You know, 100, 200, something like that. So I was like, I don't know. Let's set a goal of 200 kids. Well, we're already at like 300 in just one week. So, uh, so just amazing. Hope kids, I've been in communication with them. They're just absolutely blown away. Uh, I'm so excited for this event, and I'm really, really proud of the listeners of the show and the readers of Denver Stiffs for for how much you guys have contributed. Thank you so much, and uh, continue to spread the word. All right, let's get into it. TNT Nuggets, Thursday night game, the marquee game. So you get uh, a lead-in of San Antonio-Houston, two of the league's, league's best teams. And then you get Oklahoma City, another one of the team's be, league's best teams. And then you get the Denver Nuggets, a team trying to break into that stratosphere. And it's just cool to be on this stage. You know, when the schedule came out, they saw which games were on national television there was like a back-to-back against the Clippers where I was like, oh, man, the Nuggets are going to be on a back-to-back with travel in between. That's a drag. The Thunder, and I'm thinking back to Russell Westbrook knocking them out of the playoffs and thinking, oh, God, man, I don't want the Nuggets to look bad on national television. I think they have the Spurs one game on national TV. So so you look at these and you kind of wonder, like, man, you, you're thankful that the Nuggets get to be on national television, but then you're worried – you know, that the the team won't look great and maybe they won't get games, uh, you know, next year or for years to come. Don't think they have to worry about that. The Nuggets just have, over the last couple of games, just been so incredibly entertaining to watch. Just a fun style of basketball. Getting back to last year's roots. Uh, and then on top of that, just so competitive. And so, uh, the, the Nuggets have everything right now. I mean, are, how many teams in the NBA are more fun to watch than the Denver Nuggets have been over the last, you know, week and a half, two weeks or so? I mean, they just are offensively starting to find that rhythm again and it's not a rhythm of like a guy's hot or doing that it's just that the ball is just the ball was popping right from the start in this game and when that's happening the Nuggets are so fun the crowd I thought was great kind of like the Boston game it was it was a 70-30 crowd I would say Nuggets favor so unlike the Boston one which was maybe 70-30 in Boston's favor this one was like there was a lot of Oklahoma City fans there but I think there were more denver nuggets fans and and there was a lot of people i think cheering both ways this game this game got to a point in the fourth quarter where you were just were you you like you had to have a seat belt in your chair because it was just so crazy and and you were just so excited about um every single shot every single time down court it felt like somebody was doing something clutch or or crazy and it was it it was just great it, it was so much fun to watch and it was a great game to be at i mean these these national television games you know I, I i think going to nuggets games is fun just because the atmosphere is great and and there's you know everything is so fun about being there especially for good games but the national television games seem to take it up another level
1: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama
0: Ball was popping in that first quarter. What a crazy first quarter that was for the Denver Nuggets! Um, They came out and it was like—I don't think they were making a statement or anything like that—but they came out in a groove, forty points in the first quarter uh, alone, and it was like a dominant forty points. Um, They were just scoring with ease, getting out on the break, really pushing the. the, uh, I thought they did a great job of pushing the pace in this game, and and coming back and watching it on TNT. Um, it, it was great to get some national perspective on it and, and guys like Reggie Miller, who I usually am not the biggest fan of, you know, but it was just great to kind of hear the like his excitement for this Nuggets team. It's just it's good to see big voices like that getting excited about the team. And Gary Harris, it's fitting that he hit the first shot of the game and the last one. Um, comes out and knocks a three down right out of the bat, then another jumper right off the bat. And they were both tough shots. And I remember thinking like, man... Gary Harris is feeling himself tonight. Uh, just some confidence in, in the shots he was taking, and he looked like in that first quarter, him and Jokic together, I think, looked like the two best players on the court, which is saying something, considering all the talent that was uh, that was on the court. Both Harris and Jokic finished with 12 points um, to open the first quarter. One of the things I liked about this game was the balance in scoring, and the balance in scoring quarter by quarter. So it wasn't like... You know, Jokic had his quarter, than Harris, than Murray, or whatever. Um, they finished with 33, 29, and 25, respectively. So all kind of within an eight-point difference there. You're, you're talking about Denver's big three and, and big three of their young core. But also, quarter by quarter, they all scored consistently. Gary Harris, 12, Jokic, 12, Gary, and Murray, 9 in that first quarter. Um, it just felt that way. Every, every quarter, it felt like those three guys were in a groove. And when they were on the court together, it was, it was really something to watch. But the ball was popping, and, and so they were pushing the pace and getting out on the break and doing a really good job of taking early offense when it was there. And they did an even better job of not forcing shots where they weren't there and then working the half court. So it was this nice like one-two punch where Oklahoma City was on their heels because they wanted to get back, and when they didn't, they were getting beat for, for open buckets. But then when they did get back, the Nuggets made them work, and they made them work in the half court, and that's perfect. This, that's Nuggets basketball. When I think back to last year and, and what was so special about it, that's exactly what was going on. The Nuggets weren't giving anything away for, for free or for cheap. They were making uh, defenses work both in transition and in the half court. And when they have that combination going, um, <laughs> they look like the best team in the NBA, which is what they looked like uh, last night. And then Jokic was willing and dealing, I, I thought, just in his element. Six assists in that first quarter, I believe. And uh, he was just in his element. Um, getting the ball in the pick and roll. I've talked about how the team has got done a much better job of getting him the ball on the move, kind of rolling towards the basket. Um, Jokic does a lot of pick and popping in this offense, especially when when they play the two-center lineup. And he did that tonight and knocked down a couple of three-pointers, one in that first quarter. But he also did a lot of rolling to the rim. And when he catches the ball on the free-throw line, kind of on the short roll and is able to kind of just survey the court, I don't know that there's anybody better in the NBA, honest to God, at, at making decisions on that short roll. Um, Maybe if you put LeBron James as a screener, which for some reason LeBron doesn't doesn't do nearly enough of in the regular season, he does in the playoffs, maybe he would overtake that role. But Jokic, just as a decision maker, when he catches the ball and he's going downhill four on three and he has to make a quick split-second decision, uh, he's just as good as anyone in the league at doing that. Now, the defense wasn't very good, and I know it's funny because this is going to be such a test for Malone. He's missing his two defensive aces in, in Paul Millsap and now Mason Plumley, And the Nuggets offense, I think, is going to another level, not just in terms of raw efficiency, but in the consistency that they can play. The Nuggets, I thought, 48-minute um, game, they probably played 38 minutes of like really great offense. Between the bench unit in that first half and the, the starters, just the, op, the ball was popping and the offense was really, really good. There were some moments late in the game, you know to start the second half and then kind of to start the fourth quarter where i thought the ball got sticky and 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 they went into some little funks but on the whole the the nuggets offense stayed stayed pretty pretty on fire throughout throughout the whole thing the bench unit we saw farid at center um and it was interesting to see him uh Back in the game and back in the rotation, obviously, not a lot of options here. Oklahoma City, an athletic team. So I think Malone electing to go with Fareed over Darrell Arthur. And I do think it'll be kind of a game by game basis. At least, in, you know, if one of these guys gets traded, then obviously all bets are off. And that's something to kind of keep an eye on a real possibility, especially for Kenneth Fareed. Um, but in this game, I think Fareed was probably the smart decision to go to him. Although I got to say, Kenneth Farid might be out of shape a little. And I'm not saying out of shape like he can't get up and down the court. He only he didn't play enough minutes for him to like truly be fatigued or anything. But he missed a dunk tonight. And he and there was a couple of like rebounds and and little plays like that where you think, "Man, Farid never is slow to that or never doesn't get up high enough for this or that." And there was a, a whole bunch of them I felt tonight. So, um and and you kind of get it, right? Like this Nuggets team or NBA teams in general, they if you're not playing, you don't like you, you still kind of go through all your regular workouts that you do practice and then a lot of guys hit the weight room and this or that. But you expect to you, you build up a bunch of energy thinking, well, I need energy for tonight's game in case I'm needed. So I I might play thirty minutes tonight. Well, for Fareed, more often than not, that has not been the case. He hasn't played thirty minutes, so you think about. I think it's really hard to stay in shape, especially when you go on the road. You know, you can't just say, "Okay, well, I didn't play tonight, so I'm going to go in the gym and, and 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 burn these calories off and and kind of do it on the road." You can't do those kind of things. You get on the plane, you come back. So um, maybe not entirely his fault, but it looked to me like he's a little bit uh, a step slower than usual, and maybe jumping a, a couple inches lower than than usual, which is funny. Do guys target Tori Craig? This is a question I have. I was talking to Matt Moore about this you know Tory Craig's a defensive ace that's one way of looking at him which i i mean i think he is a really really good defensive player that plays incredibly hard but another way of looking at him is he's a G League guy and he's a two-way contract guy and when you get superstars and i'm talking Paul George, you know Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony i don't think i don't know if they look at him and say okay this is their defensive specialist this is their their on-ball defender i think they look at him and say this is a G League dude and i'm an all-star and and i'm going to put a hurting on him and i thought I thought Torrey Craig did a great job defensively tonight, and he still allowed guys to go off like Paul George at 43 points. So it's weird to say a guy did a good job defensively. But um, I, this is this is the NBA. This is what's funny about the NBA. These guys are all awesome. Like I mean, if you put these guys in your YMCA league, they'd score 100 points every single game. These guys are all awesome. But, uh, you know, it's funny what confidence will do. And when they see a G League player, it's just like they get some confidence. So... Um, Tory Craig earning his stripes, but uh, it, it's kind of interesting to watch stars of that caliber kind of try to target him. There were some really good Moodyer minutes in that first half, the first stint that he went in, and and just like the 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 previous game, when he's making his shots at the rim, it, it takes the Nuggets' offense with that bench unit to another level because so many so often he misses those shots at the rim, and those are like. They're free points, right? This is such a big swing between making a shot at the rim and getting your two points and then the team taking the ball out of the net and defense getting set to missing a shot at the rim and Moutier's the last guy back and the transition is almost always a bucket the other way. It's such a huge swing. Well, tonight in that first stint, he was making his shots at the rim, um, getting to the cup and, and finishing it. So um, it was good there. He had seven points, three assists, three rebounds. Um, and in that first stint, the the thing I liked the most is there was probably four or five times where I watched Moutier kind of get to. When I say his spots, I mean the spots he likes to take shots from. Not always like the spots I think he's best from, but you know, sort of that eight foot range. Snakes the screen gets inside. There were some moments where he got there and didn't take the shot, and it was because it's not a good shot. And the Nuggets' offense was flowing so well, and rather than force something, he would just keep the ball moving or keep the offensive possession alive. So i i don't know if that's a sign of growth or just kind of a short you know two or three game anomaly but mudier has really been done a good job of just just incre- improving his shot selection and when he does that um the nuggets go go to a whole other level
1: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama
0: Let's talk about Jamal Murray's crossover on Steven Adams because first of all, I get home, I open up my, uh, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for Denver Stiffs and I always go online and check the the Facebook feed and see how all of our posts are doing, make sure everything's up there. And I'm really happy to say that there was like six that that highlight had filled up my timeline from friends sharing it that that had shared it from, you know, different accounts, Bleacher Report or whatever. But also Bleacher Report had it. TNT had it. NBA TV had it. Um, I think a, b- a couple other – there was like five or six in a row as I'm scrolling my timeline. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets are on my timeline for everybody sharing this awesome thing. And that's the power of like a viral moment like that. Uh, but it's also a testament to be getting to be on national television and 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 having such a, a fun game. You know, it's funny. We always talk about Nuggets attendance and the Nuggets brand and this or that, and I really do think, first of all, it is a bit Denver being the transient city. It's always going to be a little bit fair weather in terms of, you know, when they're good, the fans will show up. And I think the fans have been great this year. There have been some really fun games at Pepsi Center this year. A lot of fun games at Pepsi Center, man. Um, but... But I think the other part of this is, you know, you need that big platform. Not everybody has altitude. In fact, I think with the way cable is going and and, and kind of the new generation, most people are cable cutters, so not a lot of people get to watch the Nuggets. Even locally, I think, get to watch the Nuggets um, on this kind of stage. So getting to be on that national stage is such a big thing for the Nuggets profile. And, you know, after tonight's game, and, and if the Nuggets can kind of get back to what they were doing, I think the Nuggets are – highly thought of by NBA junkies as one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA, if not the most fun team to watch in the NBA. So you got that factor. And, and, you know, this is just one of those games where you think, man, maybe – you know, nine nationally television games this year, maybe twenty next year, especially if the Nuggets can have a playoff moment, um, and, and maybe you know really burst onto the stage. And you do that, the fans come back just because the brand gets stronger, and 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 so it's one of those things I get thinking about. So Jamal Murray gets, uh, Stephen Adams out on an island. And Jamal Murray's kind of developing a couple of go to. His number one go to in these situations is always a step back. Now, he's better going at step back to his left, I believe. I mean, I don't know the actual numbers on this, but he seems more comfortable at doing his little kind of hesitation, either an inside out crossover or a little hesitation into a step back, creates enough space for him to get a shot off. Um, and he gets he get, he gets Steven Adams a very good defender and a guy who's actually good at switching out onto guards. He just he he plays it the right way. And, and that is that I think he doesn't overreact. If a guy's going to make a tough shot on him, so be it. I think the odds of a guy making a contested three pointer um are, are, are favor the defense more often than not. And I think he's smart enough to know I don't have to get up in, in the guys like, uh, grill and try to and, and try to overpressure him. Just just keep enough of a distance so that when the shot goes up, you can close out and make him think twice about it. Well, Adams is doing that. Curry still hit him with the okey doke and got him like got him with this little freeze. And it's funny. There's a, a slow motion version on one of these you know Facebook uh, viral posts. There's a slow motion video of it. And man, it was it really is a nice move. You could tell that he's worked on all of the little details of the move because it's kind of a uh, like he pushes off like he's going real quick to his right, then kind of hesitates, jerks, goes backwards a step. I mean, it really, it really is a nice move to create separation. And poor Adams, that was a legitimate. We we see a lot of these crossovers where a guy falls down, where it's not an actual. The guy like slipped or he gets his foot caught on the other guy's foot and it's like, oh, he fell down. But yeah, but really it was just an unlucky the guy's feet got tangled. This was a legitimate he got crossed up and fell down. Like there was there was no slip. There was no feet getting tangled. That was just his body, like his his mind being faster than his body, and then and and that's what you get is when his feet just like completely lose function and he falls over. It was incredible. Jamal Murray, of course, knocks down the shot. And it was one of those things where Murray was already in his shooting motion by the time Adams tripped up and fell down. So I, it, was one of the, it wasn't one of It was like Murray had a chance to kind of look down at him and then shoot his shot. He was already in his shooting motion. And Murray said he, like, as he's going up to shoot is when he noticed, and he looks down and sees him and looks back at the rim. And it so, makes the shot even more impressive to me because it was almost a distraction at that point, uh, Adams falling. And... Uh, Murray the focus to knock it down and what a big moment the Pepsi Pepsi Center lost its mind I you know I, I always talk about I don't disguise the fact that I'm a fan I, I'm new media I'm not old media where we have to be this like pretend that we were completely unbiased or whatever I fully admit I'm I, I like the Nuggets and I and, and I want to see them do well and I'm rooting for them and, and have been my whole life so Um, but when you're in the press box, it's, it's professional not to to cheer. Like you really shouldn't, you really should be at least have the appearance in that setting. Um, when that happened and the crowd went, my, uh, your, my, my actual reaction, I broke character for a second and like stood up and it was just one of those things where it was like, I couldn't believe what I had seen (laughs) and I can voluntarily jumped out of my chair and had to like catch myself and sit back down. The crowd lost its mind, and then I think the best part of all of this, honestly, better than Jamal's shot, the move, the celebration, all that stuff, the crowd, the best was the bench. This was maybe the best bench celebration since that Gallo three-pointer where everybody does the the little Italian hand thing. Um, This is right up there with that. Maybe not as iconic because that one, like, everybody's doing the same cheer, so it was kind of cool in that regard. But this one... Everybody on the bench did something different. And it was, it was almost reminded me of, do you remember a couple of years back when people were doing that? Um, what was it what was it called, Oh, the Harlem Shuffle meme, right, where everybody would do their Harlem Shuffle videos, and then when the beat dropped, everybody was kind of doing a crazy dance. This was like a natural version of that where like as soon as the shot went down, the entire bench, everybody kind of went into their own different world to celebrate it. um Trey Lyle sat completely still somehow, so i don't he I don't know what was up with him man he, there was a couple of moments where there was huge plays, and he just looked like um his dog had just died or something, but you know, one Katori Craig had had this like he gets up and runs to the right, then runs to the left. Like uh, somebody, I think Moutier like hugs somebody and picks him up, and then somebody's bunny hopping. Darrell Arthur, I think, has a heart attack and they had to revive him on the sideline. Uh, so they they drag him off the court. It was amazing, honestly. The one of the best bench celebrations I've ever seen, and it was just this team. I, I've talked about this on the show when the team was through adversity. I think this team is incredibly close. There, it helps that they're so. Young, I think, and they're all kind of going through not just not just this early part of the NBA their NBA careers, but also these like formative years to their lives. I mean, a lot of these guys are like college age. You think about the bonds you make it, it, at that time. You know, if you're in college, all the friends you make in college, or you know, even just even at that time of your life. So, I think there's just this great great bond between this team and and that <laughs> that bench moment was was one I I won't soon forget.
2: Monday, February 19th, President's Day, we will be hosting a handicap boot camp at the Celtic on Market at 14th and Market. The Bank of Denver and I, Gil Whiteley, are hosting a day at the races to benefit the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. Teams of four will compete against each other and teams of celebrities led by guest of honor, Dan Issel, For real cash, spending live horse racing at Santa Anita. Prizes, auction items, cash money, screaming, yelling, bursting out in laughter, cheering for your horses on TV will be the order of the day. To raise money for the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation, we educate the children of fallen and former Marines to honor them. Contact me, Gil Whiteley, at gilfest at msn.com for information. That's gilfest at msn.com. Monday, February 19th, a handicap boot camp at the Celtic on Market at 14th and Market. Today at the races, the Bank of Denver and John Elway dealerships are official sponsors.
0: Jokic did such a good job disguising ball screens in this game. And what I mean by that is, and I'm going to make a video. This is too much. This is too important. I have to talk about this. um, Maybe as part of what does it mean to be a free flowing offense uh, article, I I, I want to do. But Jokic, one of the things, there was a lot of times where he would go down like he's going into the post. Steven Adams would kind of gain his position thinking that the, that the offense was doing one thing. And then Jokic would beeline it right into a screen. And what that does is, you know, Steven Adams one of the best in the biz in terms of, like, getting in position early. So much of defense is, like, anticipating what the offense is trying to do and and getting in position, setting yourself up to defend it properly. Well, Steven Adams one of the best at that. But Jokic almost used that against him, used that to his advantage because it would be like – Oh, we're setting a screen. Nope, I'm going to the post. And of course, Adam is like getting to the screen de- defense early and then he's late to the post defense. Or, um, you know, he knows a team s- switches when you run a certain action. So he'd fake like he's running that so that they'd switch, but then turn it right into something else. So then they're like caught between, oh crap, were we supposed to switch or were we not? Jokic did such a good job in this game. Such a good job. Maybe the best. I've ever seen of him doing this where he disguises those screens so much and it created a lot of points like outside of of just his points or his assists, there were a lot of moments where he gets like screen assists and the reason the screen worked was because he had tricked Stephen Adams into getting into the wrong defensive position and this is why you know the team has talked about playing more free-flowing and and, and it's funny because Malone has said it you to know, call for fewer plays and allow the offense to kind of just flow more naturally. Well, one of the things that happens when you do this is you just play through Nikola Jokic more. And I mean it just inherently for part of it is because you know Jokic likes to play up top and he just decides he it's almost like he dictates what the offense is going to do when you play this way. But also it just be you allow you unlock his brain. When you tell when you tell a guy like Jokic to run a, a play, he's going to see the three options that that play has or some maybe it's a really good play the five options that 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 play has but if you run a free-flowing offense you unlock a million options on it and i'm not exaggerating i if you really break it down all of the different like events that can happen in a game there's millions of options millions um and you unlock his ability to kind of read and react to that and and i thought this was a perfect example of that where it wasn't like he came down and said, "Okay, I'm going to set a side screen for Murray." It was like, "I'm going to come down and I'm going to see which way Adams jumps. If he jumps this way, I'm going to go that way. If the on-ball defender goes this way, I'm going to go that." And just constantly making those calculations and it's like a um a game of paper rock scissors that Jokic always has an advantage of somehow. You know, that's really what it's like and and that's why you play through him. It's just his decision-making, not just on the passing and, and things like that, but on his decision-making on which direction each offensive possession can go. And um and it just allowed, I thought, for incredible offensive flow, and, and and this was a great example of that. The one guy I alluded to this earlier, the one guy that was off in this game was Trey Lyles, and he went one for seven. Um, He did have four rebounds, two assists, but just three points, and I think it was a fourth-quarter bucket too, actually. I believe so. But uh, he was just off in this game, and 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 so was his. It was weird to watch. I don't I don't know. Guys going funks, and I know this or that, but he was the one guy that I don't think was feeling feeding off of the energy of the crowd and feeding off of the moment. So um, maybe something to keep an eye on. I I don't really know. Uh, hard hard to kind of say, but he was not too effective in just fifteen minutes or less than fifteen minutes. The first minute thirty of the third quarter. I, the Nuggets started to look a little bit complacent. They, they The ball got sticky. It's funny when you have a half where you throw up. How many points was it at at the at half? Seventy-two points on one of the league's best defenses. Um, you throw up 72 first half points. You throw up 19 assists. All of that, and it blows my mind that a team can come out and isolate for the first, like, four possessions. And that's kind of what Denver did. They just got away from what got them playing so well. And it's one of those things where... It's a weird balance between when the team's moving the ball like that. Gary Harris is on fire. Jamal Murray's on fire. Jokic is on fire, and then guys, I think they feel like, "Oh, I'm on fire. I, I can heat check." When it's like actually the offense is on fire. Everybody's on fire, and you don't, you know, just stick to what you're doing. And I thought the team did a great job of that last year. Maybe because they're 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 kind of newly getting back into this free flowing style. Maybe they're they're prone to a few hiccups. But I thought thought the first like two minutes of that third quarter were very touch and go because Denver got away from what they were doing on the offensive end and their defense still sucked. So um so that so that's what happened there. Malone calls a timeout. A good timeout it was an early one, but it was a good one. And from that moment on I thought the Nuggets snapped out of it. It was almost like he had to slap him in the face and say what I just said and Hey, what are you guys doing? It's a, you know keep moving the ball like you were. So there was a really really touchy moment, and I thought that the Nuggets, um, they made a, a mini run that was absolutely necessary in that third quarter. I knew this game was going to get close at some point. Like Oklahoma City's so good. I think it's hard against a team like OKC to sustain a, a fifteen point lead. If you can blow it to like a twenty five point lead, then I think you're you're sitting pretty. But when it's a fifteen point lead, it's at the half. It's just hard to to not have a little bit of a regression in that third quarter. So you, I knew it was coming um, at some point, and I thought this game was going to go down to the wire and get close, kind of like it did. But um, the Nuggets, I thought, that third quarter run out of the timeout after after initially giving up kind of a run to the Thunder, that was such an important run because it it held off the Oklahoma City rally. If the If their rally happens in the third quarter and they catch up Going into the fourth, or they're only down like three or four going into the fourth. Nuggets lose. I mean, that's just how. I that's just what happens. Well, instead, they they staved off that run, and Oklahoma City had to make another one in the fourth quarter, and that's the difference in the game right there. One of the huge, huge differences. Now Malone did leave Nicole Jokic for either the entirety of the third quarter or almost the entirety, and I'm sitting there watching, it, and I think his minute total was up to 29 at the end of the third, 29 minutes. And I'm thinking, okay, this bench unit to start the fourth is going to have to hold the gate because Jokic looked pretty tired to me. He had a couple bad plays in the last like two minutes. If I not to it's easy to second guess the, the coach at the after everything, but I was thinking at the time, like you know, I would go I would take Jokic out with about two minutes left in the third. And it was one of those things where again the nuggets were up like twelve, thirteen. It wasn't a whole lot. And you, you think, well, if you take Jokic out with two minutes and, and Thunder closed the game to like seven, that changes the dynamic of the fourth quarter. So I get why Malone left him in, and Jokic hit a couple of big shots at the end of the third. But I also just thought he looked really, really fatigued. And I thought even in the fourth quarter, I thought he looked uh, pretty fatigued. So Jok- so Malone leaves him in that whole, that whole stretch, and we go to the fourth quarter. And it's like, okay, second unit did a really good job in that first half. If they can have one more good run in the f- to start the fourth quarter, this game won't get close. It'll actually the Nuggets will be able to maintain this fifteen point lead and and run away. Well, of course that didn't happen, and this has kind of been the story of the second unit all year. Re- regardless of who the second unit has been, the second unit has changed so much. But um, the story or one of the stories has been the inconsistency they'll have one good they'll play two stretches and one of them will be good one of them will be bad you don't know which one will be which and sometimes both will be bad well this one that second that that open of the fourth quarter was not good and the thunder it wasn't like the thunder went with their you know their their best lineup to start the fourth quarter they had their backups in there as well um it was just that the their backups were able to cut that lead and as a result malone goes back to Jokic and harris with eight and a half minutes left and it and it's it's um I, I looked up at that point. I think the Nuggets are up like eight points only. And I'm thinking, oh, God, these two guys have to have to play eight and a half more minutes. They already looked exhausted on their last stretch, and, and Oklahoma City is starting to make their run. So I, I knew at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be a long quarter. Um, but to their credit, obviously Harris and, and Jokic both had big fourth quarter, so it, um, they were able to dig deep and get it done. The fourth quarter became a Wild West shootout. And at first, like I said, it was just the thunder. It was a one one-sided shootout. They got the first like six bullets in. But then Jokic and, and Harris come back in and they get a couple minutes with, with the bench unit in to get some buckets. Then everybody comes in. And you're talking about Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nicole Jokic. I mean, that was their big three, Denver's big three. And it became a shootout. Paul George was just out of his mind. Um scoring at will especially in that fourth quarter Russell Westbrook same thing just became a a a, a <laughs> Russell Westbrook like he I his three point shot is so ugly he knocked two of them down back to back in that fourth quarter and that was the kind of game it was you know every game takes on its own personality this was a game where it was like the Thunder are going to make tough shots in the fourth, and you're just going to have to stay confident. You're gonna, you can't get your head, um, you know, you can't get too down on yourself. The refs are probably going to have a hard time refereeing in this game because there's a lot of star power and there's a lot of guys making some tough plays. Um, and I thought the Nuggets did a good, a pretty good job of, of staying poised. I mean, Jamal Murray gets an A plus for this. Murray went toe to toe. If you just watched that fourth quarter, you would probably say, okay, the best player is Paul George. The second best player is Russell Westbrook, but Jamal Murray is right there and and knowing that Jamal Murray is 20 years old, he just had this the guy I've never seen it. I I this is it becomes a cliche in sports to say that a guy is not afraid of the moment. But guys, sometimes I think guys are afraid of the moment but they're willing to they're like as as Kobe Bryant puts it, comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think Jamal Murray I actually just don't think he's uncomfortable. I think he's very comfortable <laughs> in these situations, man. Like, he was, there was no shot he wasn't afraid to take. He didn't, I, there was maybe one shot I thought he forced in that fourth quarter. I was like, oh, that was, that was a force. Um, and Malone talked about it. He said something to the extent of Jamal Murray takes a step back three and, and Malone says, Murray, only good shots. And, and Murray looks over at him and says, is that not a good shot? <laughs> um, so maybe he forced one, maybe two, but, but for the most part, I thought he just, he, Played within the offense and also like hunted for good shots, but shot everything with confidence. This is the way I would put it. Then there's a difference between shooting tough but good shots with confidence and shooting bad shots uh, with confidence. He did he did the former, I think, and and it was crazy. Ten points in the fourth quarter and some just huge, huge, huge uh, buckets. You know, he did the Sam Cassell dance, the big balls dance, where which you get a fine for. It'll be interesting to see if he receives a fine for it. But it's true. The guy the guy has some guts man the the guy just has a uh, for 20 years old honestly for anybody in the NBA the guy just has this like fourth quarter confidence but he for 20 years old it's just insane Jokic had some big time shots uh, some really, really timely and important ones. One was a drop-off. He's so good at these shots, but they're tough for everyone else, so I don't know if this was actually a, t- a tough shot. A little drop-off where he's in the short corner and he shoots like a three-footer, but it's not a dunk for him. It's just a... Uh, a little float floater shot. He hit the, He knocked that one down. He had a jumper that the team desperately needed. It was in a dicey moment um, and knocked that down. And then he knocked down the big free throws, um, which basically would have been the game winner if had it not been for Paul George and of course for later for Gary Harris. So um, some big moments from him. Gary Harris just three points, but boy were they a big one. So let's go down. Let's go. Let's go back here. Jokic knocks down two clutch free throws. Um, oh, I, I do have one other note here. I thought Jokic and Malone referenced this in the game after after the game, and you could tell. I've talked about this on the last show. You could tell how important this is for Malone, but also like what a point of emphasis it is. Jokic's attitude and and his body language, and you know how much he talks and complains to the ref. It's so important. Um, he has to get. He he's working on getting so much better at it. And and I really do think on nights like tonight part of it was he had a great game. I mean 29 13 and 14. What a ins- what a ridiculous stat line. But part of it was that and um but part of it was I think he's just focused on this end and and focused on staying positive. Well when the when the Thunder were starting to catch up, Jokic started to complain a little bit more. And it was and, and he's kind of not the opposite of Murray in this regard, but Murray's just Murray's just like Zen, calm, cool, and collected. Actually, Gary Harris too. Calm, cool, and collected under pressure and all these things. And Jokic, I think, rides the highs and lows a little bit more where he was in risk, I thought, of of falling out of it towards the end of the game. And, you know, uh Russell Westbrook gave him a hard foul. And I thought he kind of ran over to Westbrook and and looked like he was going to try to get in his face. And I'll be honest, I think that frustration was actually a sign of his nervousness and i looked over to matt and i said you know what he's acting like a guy who's like the moment is starting to get to him a little bit and like his emotions are starting to get to to him so but to his credit then he hops on the free throw line and knocks down two two very very clutch shots but you could tell it's kind of an internal battle with him and i thought he was close to going to the dark side but never actually did so so kudos to him the Thunder get the ball and there's uh, there's a handful of seconds left, like six or seven, I believe, not not too many. And the question becomes the timeout. We're, we're all talking, all of us writers there, and the thought is, do you foul? And I think you do. Um, it's not it's not a perfect um, situation where it's like, okay, you definitely foul because a guy can start to go up into a shooting motion and then you get in a whole mess. But I think you try to foul in that situation and waste another two three seconds. <coughs> Especially with the team's uh, or with the league's new rules about fouls and, and shooting fouls, and how you can't like the continuation of the shooting foul no longer is given the benefit of the doubt. So, I think you try to foul in that situation. The Nuggets did not. They put Tory Craig on Paul George. I thought Tory Craig did a good job. Well, the one thing I'll say is, and, and Paul George kind of gave him a little bit of a shove off, and Paul George is stronger, taller, you know, all these things. But, um, Tory Torrey Craig kind of got ran off the three-point line. And the Nuggets are up three. There wasn't enough time for them to get two two shots in. And Torrey Craig, I thought if I was him, I would have just planted myself on the three-point line and let him blow by me. He gets a little bit shoved off the line, and Paul George makes an incredible shot. So it was a heartbreaker. I'll be honest. At that moment, I thought the Nuggets were not winning. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, what another Nug life game. Uh, such a beautiful game to come down to this. But uh, fortunately... The Nuggets drop a play is a play they had used in the past. I remember it, the Malik Beasley alley-oop play that that he kinda I think he ended a first half with with a a dunk or a layup. Well, they run a similar play. Oklahoma City does a good job of sitting on it. They 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 read the play, they take away the first and second option. Gary Harris does a great job of just calling the audible and getting out to the wing in time to to make himself open. And Nikola Jokic does just as good of a job of finding him with it with a great pass. It was a fa- he had to deliver the ball with speed and he had to kind of lead him into the shot. Now it was like I would not be surprised if the last two-minute report says that Jokic took more than five seconds to get the ball in. We, I was we were trying to count this out, and I, my guess is it was like five point three seconds, so it was probably just slightly over the line, over the limit. But uh, either way, Jokic did a good job of getting the ball out in time, led Harris to the spot, so all Harris had to do was catch and turn. Um, he squares up and just—it's it, funny because Gary Harris's shot was a good shot. A lot of times, last second, he you know. Shots like that, a guy like his form gets all the way off, and he, he, just because the adrenaline and everything's flowing. Gary Harris was c- cool as a cucumber, man. He catches the ball, he squares up, and he goes into his regular shooting motion, and he could tell the ball was in. I couldn't well, on the shot, but you could t- on, on replay, you could see him start to celebrate like he knew it was good. And what a way for that game to end! What an absolute brilliant way for that game to end. It was, it was. It was so much fun. Pepsi Center lost its mind. It was one of those things where this is why it's fun to go to games, <laughs> because it was a packed. Uh, the place was packed. Fans were going nuts. There was fans both ways, but I think everybody appreciated that moment. It was just it was just nuts, and and everybody just lost their mind. People jumping up and down, going crazy. It 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 was so much fun. Such a great thing to be a part of. Wrapping up, the best part of this game was that it was the young trio, and and I alluded to this earlier. How it's like every quarter, the the trio of Harris, Murray, and Jokic kind of played together and stepped up together. It wasn't like any one guy took over any one moment. They all three, I thought, played so incredibly well. And they, I was talking with uh, Christian Clark of BSN Denver the other day about this, and like Murray's Murray had this incredible December and January, and the Nuggets weren't their offense wasn't really firing on all cylinders. It was. It wasn't quote unquote Jokic ball. We refer to Jokic ball as the style of play from last year. And we kept wondering, man, imagine what Jamal Murray would look like in Jokic ball. Because he's this good when he's like creating shots out of nothing. But imagine when he gets to like 10 points per game just off of like great pick and roll and DHOs. Well, this is what it looks like 33 points, five assists, five of eight three point shooting, 14 of 23 from the field. Jamal Murray is a stud. And it, I'm so excited for this Nuggets offense. I think, knock on wood, I think they're getting back to what they were doing. I really do. The last couple games, that's what I'm going to talk about next. But they they look like they're getting back. And, you know, Gary Harris made a giant leap uh, a couple seasons ago. I think Jamal Murray already has made that leap. And now you insert him back into this offense. And what a trio that is. A truly dynamic trio offensively and uh, And I think last night was just such a a taste, just a tease of what that trio can be. And I think if all three of those guys continue on the trajectory that they are on, it really does change the way you build around this team in that that might be your big three. And I think you need great defenders. I mean, the defense tonight was not good. And Nikola Jokic in particular, I thought, um, you know, really he just struggles to, to, to handle super athletes like Russell Westbrook, but also good pick and roll players. And and Westbrook obviously twenty one assists tonight, just picking apart that Jokic in that pick and roll, and not ju- it wasn't just Jokic; it was also the on ball defenders who uh, they just did a bad job of forcing Westbrook into a pickle. Um, he run the pick and roll, and he would get kind of an easy drop off. The Nuggets offense, you know, they made it look effortless through all the passing and this and that, but but the Thunder offense was working just as well off of <laughs> pretty easy basic spread pick and roll. So it is certainly. Uh, a cause for concern a- after watching this game, but when the offense is firing like that, you can't get too concerned, I guess. Uh, but it's just great to see that young trio. So you have that young trio, and maybe you just build around the three and the four position with uh, elite defenders and in-, in non-negative uh offensive guys the fact that they have paul millsap is insane you know i i keep thinking over this last week with the nuggets offense going the way that it is if they do this for the next 2 3 weeks and then there's the all-star break and then there's paul millsap's return like millsap has to i think be watching pl- games like this and seeing just how efficient this style of offense is and this is really his first great taste of it you get a couple more weeks like this where the team can score 130 on the league's best defenses and you know then you plug him in he alone will make the nuggets defense better how much better i don't know because right because right now it looks like last year's worst defense in the league or one of the worst in the league but he can make them better and and if he can fit into the offense that alone is great and then you talk about down the line the one position that the nuggets kind of don't have uh a a, is small forward there that's the spot where i think you kind of say who is the small forward of the future we don't know yet but you add another elite defender to that spot and this team, I just think their ceiling is is so high. The Nuggets really might have a big three already established in Murray, Harris, and Jokic. Barton was great too in this game, by the way. I mean, he did a lot of really good things. Um, he was kind of that fourth scorer, which is what I think his role should be on this team. Is the fourth? Um, he's probably with with the injuries that they have right now. He's probably the fourth best player on this team, and I thought he did a good job. And Carmelo Anthony has still not won in Denver. How crazy is that? How crazy is it that he has not won in Denver since getting traded? It's been eight years, or I guess seven years. Um, absolutely insane, but kind of awesome, also at the same time. Um, another note here: only six centers in the NBA history have had fourteen or more assists. Wilt Chamberlain did it fifteen times. Joe Kim Noah did it twice. Marcus Saul has done it once. Kareem Abdul Jabbar had has done it once, and Sam Lacey. I didn't even know who that guy was, but it was like back back in the early days of basketball. Uh, Sam Lacey had had one game with it, so only six times. And Nikola Jokic did it tonight. It's funny because it does kind of feel routine a little bit. He he's been getting s- such high assist numbers over the last several games that 14 doesn't seem like it'd be such a rare number. But this is not something that happens. A center does not throw 14 assists too often. And for Jokic, it feels like he could absolutely do that again. It was also great to hear the uh, TNT crew. Praising the Nuggets so much, like that's what's fun about being on, uh, getting to be on na- the national stage is, you know, there's a lot of, I say this all the time, and, and I think it's finally caught on in Denver to where Jokic is actually as big locally as he has nationally, but a lot of these national guys like him, and a lot of former, it's funny, Paul George after the game specifically called out that inbound pass for Jokic, saying what a great, uh, pass it was. Kevin Durant, I think as a as a Denver Nuggets fan, like <laughs> not that these guys are actually fans of any one team, and if we meet in a playoff series, maybe he, maybe he won't, he'll become less of a fan. But I just think that this Nuggets team has the attention of the NBA players around the league. Uh, LeBron James liking uh, Jamal Murray's crossover thing on Instagram, um, it's just I, the, the Nuggets, I think, have the attention of of some people, and that that. That, as much as anything, bodes well for the future because when you start talking about free agency, games like last night stick in people's minds. Lastly, I wanted to talk about, and this is I alluded to this earlier, on January 21st, Michael Malone said, you know, I want to get back to calling fewer plays. And I don't know what it was that made him decide at that moment that he thought allowing the offense to get more free-flowing is better. And, I, and I'll be honest, I don't know. Games like last night, I thought the offense was incredibly free-flowing. So last night, very noticeable. Some of the other games, it's been a little bit more mixed. Uh, some play-calling, some free-flowing. But since he made that proclamation on, on January 21st, Nicole Jokic is averaging 18.5 ele- uh, points, 11 rebounds, 8.5 assists. He's almost averaging a triple-double. He has two triple-doubles in the last, what, three games? And four games? And... Um... On pretty good shooting splits, although his his shots his his field goal percentage is still below fifty percent, shockingly, but um almost a triple double over that span. Gary Harris nineteen and a half points, and he is shooting forty four percent from the three point line on six point eight attempts per game. Jamal Murray twenty two point seven points per game. He's leading the Nuggets in scoring by three points per game, um and he's shooting fifty four percent from the field, fifty percent from three on six attempts a game. The Nuggets offense, just those three guys alone uh, taking have really taken off since since this adjustment, and um, I just think that's huge. I, it, it gives you hope that the Nuggets are going to be able to kind of shake off those January blues and, and make for a nice February. Now, the defense is a real issue, and I think – This is going to be such a test of Malone. I've talked about this a couple times earlier in the year. I talked about this last year where Malone wants to win a certain way. He talked about how he liked the Portland game more than uh, this last Portland game where Denver won like 91 to 89. He liked it more than the Dallas game where they won like 122 to 118. You think, why? They're both wins. Why would you like one? But it's it's just in him. He prefers a certain style. He prefers the defense to be good. And I think... Part of that is because there's always this thought where your off your shots aren't always going to fall. What can you fall back on? And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, this Nuggets offense, I think, is capable of putting up 110-plus points on anybody in any given night and running people out of the gym on, on many nights. And I, I, I've said all along, I think the way for this Nuggets team to succeed is to perfect what they are great at which is their offensive identity and then to try to chip away at what they're not good at and that's unfortunately their defense the entire defensive side of the ball and tonight was one of the examples of that now that being said oklahoma city is a team that i think is uniquely you know oklahoma city uh houston um those are teams that are really good at the spread pick and roll and and so um they present a unique challenge i think for the nuggets but um I think it's a step in the right direction. I think those stats bear it out. I'm excited to see what the Nuggets do uh, over the next couple of games um, and how they have Golden State. <laughs> so much fun to go from, from Oklahoma City into, into Golden State on, on back-to-back games. Thanks a bunch for listening, guys. Sorry this one was a little bit late, but hopefully made up, to, up for it for with 50 minutes of, of recapping that game. I'll be off for the weekend, but back again next week.
2: Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Hey,
1: Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.